Thank you and welcome to another moment with Eric Fleming. I'm your podcast host, Eric Fleming, and a lot of things, of course, have gone on since the last podcast. As stated before, um, my thing with the podcast now is more or less about just being vocal when it's time to be vocal. Um, And not trying to do it on a daily basis. But, uh, you know, there there may be some circumstances where it does become um, necessary to do things back to back or what have you. So, anyway. So, the, the, with all this stuff going on, uh, as this podcast is being recorded, there is a second week of hearings taking place um, in the impeachment proceedings with President Trump. Um, and it's just it's just more and more hijinks with him. Um, we also are watching the ascent of possibly the first openly gay candidate running for the presidency of the United States. Um, Pete Buttigieg is uh, catching fire in Iowa and uh, um, ready to continue to address the fact that while he's winning in Iowa nationally black voters are not gravitating to him and uh, as of this Again, as of this recording, he's planning on addressing students at Morehouse College in Atlanta, preceding the debate that's going to happen in Atlanta. So, we'll see how all that goes. But, the remainder of this time, probably in both sections... is dealing with something that's not politically related. Well, I say it's not politically related. It's not involving anybody running for president right now, or somebody that currently is, or somebody running for any public office. But it is somebody that has made an impact in the political landscape, so much so that it cost him his job. And uh, the big controversy that has happened is that his former employer wanted to give him an opportunity to get his job back. And um, it turned into a giant foobar moment for everybody. So you have no clue who I'm talking about. Um, Most of the people that listen to this podcast are very intelligent, so I think you already know. But for those who who don't know, I'm referring to a young man named Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Colin Kaepernick was a unique talent He was one of two players in the history of college football that threw for 5,000 yards and rushed for 2,000 yards in a season. 
and he was a quarterback at the University of Nevada. Uh, it was not a high draft pick. Kind of treated like Patrick Mahomes. It was looked more like a project. And took the league by storm on one Monday night against one of the best defenses in the league, the Chicago Bears, with Erlacher and Lance Briggs. It was t Charles Tillman. And he utterly destroyed them. He would later take that San Francisco team to the Super Bowl and uh, only losing to Joe Flacco and the Ravens in the infamous Beyonce turn out the lights Super Bowl and Super Bowl. And Kaepernick never went back to the big game and where his skills were still Pretty evident he remained a starting quarterback at San Francisco because he came in basically in the middle of the season because the starting quarterback got hurt. Um, he uh, he never got to that level of success as a team. The team actually started for some mysterious reason going down. They lost a coach. He went back to coach college football, and nothing seemed to click. And so Colin Kaepernick, the year that his free agency kicked in, the 49ers didn't resign him, and he's down the league. Now, of course, y'all know there's an underlying story to that. It has nothing to do with his football skills diminishing or anything. It had to do with the fact that he had started protesting silently to himself, been protesting about what he was seeing across the country with police brutality and just overt racism. And being a child who was of color, who was adopted by Caucasian people, white people. He uh, he wasn't exposed to a lot of that. He ran into that on an occasion, but not really. I mean, he's heard stories, but personally, it never really affected him. And so... According to Kaepernick, there was a local incident that kind of disturbed him. In when I say local, meaning in San Francisco, that disturbed him, and so he just started protesting. Now he had been hurt at this point, and it was had to be beginning of the preseason. So instead of him standing with the rest of the team National Anthem, he was just sitting on the bench. And uh, one person on her Twitter account posted a picture she was filming and she noticed that Kaepernick was not standing up for National Anthem. And so her concern, being a 49ers fan, was, is Colin Kaepernick hurt and we don't know it? So she posted the picture. And uh, what a firestorm it became. Because, of course, the 49ers, then all of a sudden questions were, well, is Kaepernick hurt? Why is he sitting down? And, uh, you know, is he kind of like getting a little extra time? If he was hurt, is he got a little extra time before he goes out there on the field? Because, um, you know, football players, as brutal as that sport is, guys do stuff to try to give themselves whatever edge they need. Before um, I was like, no, he's not hurt. 
show what was going on. And so finally, when a reporter asked him why was he doing that, he told him. And that's when it really, really started. And uh, there was a guy who was a military veteran who basically came to Kaepernick and said, hey, look, sitting on the bench is not cool. But the cause that you're protesting is, so let me show you a, 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 a way to do it that military people will get it and you won't be vilified as such. So he thought, so the veteran thought. So he told Kaepernick that whenever a soldier dies, right, that they take a knee for that for that player. I mean for that soldier. And in football, the ironic thing is when you are kneeling, when the quarterback kneels during the game, it's usually a victory what we call a victory formation. Right? And so Kaepernick being a quarterback and this guy being a veteran, they thought that that would be the best way to protest during the national anthem and the military people would get it and wouldn't be offended. Well, it went beyond that. Not only military people were offended, a lot of, lot of, lot of white folks were offended. And just being truthful, because black folks were like, once Colin Kaepernick explained what he was doing, black football fans got it. And it was like, all right, now we'll watch the game. So, of course, other black players started doing it too, which also kind of, kind of sparked other black athletes in other sports to do something different, because in the NBA, you had to stand. There was there was a rule. In the NFL, it was optional anyway. So it wasn't a rule being broken, unlike what some people say. And then the truth came out later that the National Football League only started doing this display because the Department of Defense, the federal government, was paying the National Football League for that patriotic display before games. Anyway, <laughs> uh, NBA players and base, Major League Baseball players have to. It's in the rules that they have to stand at attention to the National Anthem. Of course, remember what happened to uh, Abdul, Muhammad Abdul Arouf, who many of us from Jackson, Mississippi knew him as Chris Jackson, or LSU fans even, when he, he would stand but he would turn his back to wherever the flag was, right? And, you know, the NBA did what they could to make it difficult for him, but the rule was he was standing. He, you know, and, um, but it didn't say he had to face the flag. And, uh, you know, and that kind of ended the career of another talented black man before his time, before his skills diminished, right? Nonetheless. The outrage was tremendous in the white community. Um, even to the point where Donald Trump interjected himself and by the time Trump became president, he was threatening the league to do something about this Kaepernick kid and all these other black players, right? Because you remember the last base, the last year the Rams were in St. Louis after the Michael Brown murder, they they basically came out with their hands up. <laughs> At the, at the start of the game, they came up with their hands fully raised. And, um, but Donald Trump 
was feeding off, if not pouring gasoline on the fire that Kaepernick had erupted. And at that time, he had a teammate, Eric Reed, who was doing it. Eric is still in the league. Malcolm Jenkins, who also was very vocal and all that, still in the league. Antoine Bolton retired. And a lot of guys, a lot of black athletes, once the NFL supposedly started addressing their concerns, decided to stop doing a protest. Then after Trump said what he said, the NFL owners decided, well, we're gonna, which is all white men. Well, not all white men. There's five, four ladies, but they're all white. And so they all decided to uh, create a rule last season say that um, there was no kneeling. But they gave the players the option of not being on the field. So there were some players that didn't come out. And there's some players that started that tradition last season that continue it this season. They don't come out during the national anthem. And, you know, and then they come on out. And that seems to have kind of worked in a sense that the vitriol has died down. But also, last season, some good football was being played. And so that also kind of knocked the conversation off, too. But uh, now we have entered our third season without Colin Kaepernick in the league. And uh, and you know, for a lot of people, a lot of people are comparing him and what he's going through with what happened with Muhammad Ali. Um, when Muhammad Ali chose not to go honor the draft, he was selected in the draft and he chose not to go fight in Vietnam. And they literally took his boxing titles that he earned in the ring away and denied him his license even to box. And uh, New York State Boxing Commission, as big as it is, and is not the National Football League, but it had the same effect. He couldn't, if he didn't get a New York license, most of the other boxing commissions were going to follow suit, right? including the bottom. And so, um, as you know, Muhammad Ali fought that all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court and won. And, and eventually got his chance to box. Now, of course, the first time he fought for a title, he lost to Joe Frazier in that infamous fight on, in Madison Square Garden. But then Ali eventually came back and won the title um, in stunning fashion in, the, in Zaire over George Foreman. So, and that was basically the gist of the movie, Ali. Was that that time period, right? But um, that's what a lot of people that seeing that are comparing it, or even to um, the brothers Smith and Carlos, the um, track stars in the 68 Olympics who finished first and third um, in the... Uh, I want to say it was 100, it may have been a 200 meter, but it, it was a sprint. It was either 100 meter or 200 meter sprint. 68 Olympics. And uh, with the infamous using the black gloves to raise the back power sign. And, um, and that was around the same time Ali's situation and um, 
So, you know, and they were really blackballed from the sport. But really, outside after the Olympics, you know, they had taken their medals and everything. Uh, and so they were they were reinstated to them, unfortunately. And that was before a time when, you know, track stars could really make any money anyway. So that was kind of like their moment. And um, those were images and those were people I grew up with, right? So now, if you drive around Atlanta or most inner cities, you're going to see murals of a black man with an afro and a number seven jersey on walls. And that's kind of where Colin Kaepernick is. Uh, Kaepernick has committed money to causes. He's put his name toward causes dealing with racism and police brutality and and all that. And he's he's donated uh, food. I think he's actually rented a, a jet to fly food to certain African countries. He's become an activist. And he really has, in his own way, transcended the sport that he still wants to play. Which gets us to the big controversy that has happened over the last few days. And the reason, the real reason why I felt like it was time to really say I felt about it. And we'll catch that on the other side. And we're back. And so... In talking about this Colin Kaepernick situation, Kaepernick has has successfully, through legal channels, um, dealt with the National Football League for the collusion of the ownership to deny him the opportunity to play football because he exercised his First Amendment rights. Um, and he's received an undisclosed undisclosed amount of money. National Football League also went as far as to get uh, to work out a deal with Jay-Z, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, to coordinate and help the NFL address issues in the African-American community, as well as allowing Jay-Z to control the entertainment portion for their events. Like Monday Night Football, NFL Kickoff, Super Bowl, and so, um, and various other events in between. So, and there have been players like the aforementioned Malcolm Jenkins and others who have really started doing some things in the community. Um, The NFL, the Chicago Bears, they kind of joined the other professional teams in the city to deal with gang violence and uh, in the city of Chicago. Um, and so the NFL has played more of a role in assisting the Bears than that. Um, so there's there has been movement. But there needs to be an understanding, a basic understanding that men and women that still own these franchises, still the majority owners of these NFL teams, are still rich white people who don't get it. Right? They will never get it. Roger Goodell may get it to an extent because he's younger. And his wealth is based off of the benevolence of the owners by providing him a job. The fact that his father was in public service 
course, at a time when black votes were not really respected. And there's a question whether it's really respected now, but more so than it, they're, they're respected more so than it was when Roger Goodell's dad was involved in politics. And uh, you know, but for those of us who have been around it, you know, my generation and definitely people older than me and maybe a few right around in our age bracket, old enough to be our siblings, but not young enough to be our children, right? Um, we understand that they don't get it. <laughs> the majority of us, we understand there, there's still always hope, but we understand they don't get it. And, and our, our strategy and our dynamic is to make sure that we navigate through that so that those moments where we can get that light bulb lit, those moments where they can have a clear vision of what we are articulating, we seize upon that and use that as a building block to go forward. But as far as getting it overall, they can't. Because even they, as a rich white person, they can't experience even what a rich black person goes through because it's a difference. Right. And as now as we're seeing, I mean, even, even, you know, Oprah is not going to have any kids. Robert Smith is going to have mixed children. So they're going to have those. Those are two different experiences right there. Where generationally, we're not going to see black kids at the same level as these rich white kids that assume the ownership of these teams and businesses and all that stuff, right? I mean, even Donald Trump went to Warden Business School. You understand what I'm saying? It's just a totally different, different thing, right? So, that's where we are now, whereas the National Football League decided that they wanted to give Colin Kaepernick why we still don't know of all the times, like after the halfway point in the season that they wanted to give him this open trial. Okay. They wanted to orchestrate this thing. Now they didn't inform Kaepernick and his representatives, really his, really his lawyers. They didn't let them know about, what they were thinking until they called them and then they basically told them that they have a couple of hours to kind of agree to it tentatively. And then they would work out the details once they tentatively agreed to it. So within those two hours, Kaepernick's representatives got in touch with their client and, uh, you know, and they tried to, go back and forth because one of the things was they wanted to do it on a Saturday. Now, people will say, well, Saturday is, yeah, that's a great day. It's a terrible day for the National Football League. The National Football League's off day is Tuesday. So if you live in a city where there's a professional team, you know Tuesday's off day because Monday night is when the guys hang out. Not unless they're playing a Monday night football game, right? And, you know, and then um, they're out. They're not even watching Monday football for the most part. They're out because that's their night out. You know, they got money and they're going to enjoy it. And sometimes they, you know, Tuesday night, they might come into practice on Wednesday. But, you know, Tuesday is the day off. So Tuesday is the day where everybody is accessible. If you are a coach or a GM or whatever, Tuesday is usually the day that you have the open tryouts to fill in slots. And, you know, because you start looking at who got injured and then you got to get the report in by Thursday, all this stuff, right? So, and you, so you can start getting guys that, you know, you know, guys got hurt. So you start auditioning guys for those particular positions. 
you know, legendary beer man, Michael Lewis with the New Orleans Saints. Became one of the top special team players in the league during the time he played. But he was delivering beer. He was a truck beer, beer delivery guy. He was driving a Budweiser truck. And he showed up at one of those Tuesday auditions and got a job. That's normally how it goes. So Saturday, that's travel day for the most part. Um, you know, teams are on in route. Everybody's, you know, home games. The teams are preparing on, you know, f- for the for the visitors coming in. The visiting teams are gone. So it's a terrible day. Nobody is at their facilities on Saturday. They're traveling or being prepared. If they are there, they're preparing for the game the next day or Monday. So Saturday was a terrible day. But in order to get the NFL to sign on to it, that was the only day they were offering, so Kaepernick's folks accepted it. And they wouldn't reveal the location and all that stuff right away. They initially didn't want the media to cover it. Excuse me. They wanted they wanted this to be almost like a private workout. And they would invite teams to come, send a representative to come, which eventually 25 teams said, yeah, we'll send somebody. And uh, and but they were going to pick out the facility. What well, the facility ended up picking was the Atlanta Falcons facility in Flowery Branch, which is about an hour north of the city. Up in the mountains, pretty nice. Right? And so that was the place the National Football League chose. And at the last minute, they had select media, like CNN, who doesn't cover, they don't do sports. Like CNN, but they actually do have a sports division. I've, I've met some of them. And so it was CNN, one black sports writer from ESPN. Uh, it was, it was crazy. And so they wanted Kaepernick to sign this, this waiver. And of course there's supposed to be an injury waiver that you sign, uh, for workouts. That's like a standard procedure, but there was some extra language in there, which basically says that if Kaepernick gets a, gets a gig based on this workout, that there can't be any displays. He can't use this this workout or anything from this point forward as a means to uh, continue basically his protesting, right? He can he can use this opportunity for his activism. So this is strictly about football, and so Kaepernick's folks said, "Yeah, take all that stuff out. Just leave the language in as normally in about the liability waiver." Or if he gets hurt at the workout, just the standard language is fine. You ain't got to add nothing else to that. So the NFL supposedly adopted the amended, uh, amended version. And the tryout was scheduled for the Falcons facility. Well, again, Flowery Branch is like an hour away from Atlanta. And so Kaepernick was like, and then, you know, they had Hugh Jackson signed up to help facilitate, I guess, you know, for the trade, Joe Philbin, two former NFL coaches who both were offensive coordinators, um, who, uh, you know, they felt could conduct the, you know, the, the trial and run it the way it's supposed to be run. And of course, the NFL was going to film it for all 32. So you basically had NFL film productions handling the video part. Well, 
At the last minute, Colin and his folks felt something ain't right with this. So what they did was they secured a high school, which is literally 10 minutes from the airport. The busiest airport in the world where everybody, if they flew in to Atlanta, that's where they flew in, right? And so instead of the guys flying in and going to Flory Branch, hey, you can just 10 minutes from the airport set up shop right here. The NFL didn't go, didn't, wasn't really feeling that change, but Kaepernick made the change anyway. And so out of the 25 teams that committed, only eight actually showed up. Now all the media made the trip. And it made sense for everybody logistically. It's like, well, you're right here by the airport, pop in, watch him do his thing. We can go right back out. The other guys came. They basically got a free free vacation day in Atlanta because the NFL wasn't compelling them to go to the workout, the new venue. And it was held an hour later than what was initially scheduled. But Capri said he also wanted people to see. He wanted it to be more than the eyes of the NFL looking at him and see if he was ready. He wanted to pass the test the visual of fans. And so that opened a door for average citizens, football fans to come for free and watch Colin Kaepernick work out. And needless to say, it was a high school in Clayton County. And if you know anything about Clayton County, the Clayton County is one of the blackest counties in Georgia, if not in America. Right. So anyway, Charles drew high school. So, it happened. And so now there's a debate between whether Colin Kaepernick missed his opportunity to play in the National Football League for conducting the workout the way that he did. And then there's other people who are like, so, what position of strength did the NFL have? They've already lost a suit on collusion. If Kaepernick wanted certain things, maybe they should have respected him because that was the whole point, that they didn't respect him, right? So, to hear people... This, the sad thing, I was watching ESPN and I was watching the show First Take and it was uh, Damian Woodley who played for the Patriots, won a couple of Super Bowls, uh, Lyman, Stephen A. Smith, Michael Eric Dyson, whoever the young lady is that is the normal moderator for the show, I guess, and Max Kellerman, who is more known for his boxing expertise. On ESPN, but he's a he's a journalist. He's a sports journalist. Stephen A's expertise really is in basketball, but he weighs in on football and everything else too. And Damien actually played the game. So Damien and, and the 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 ringer was a gentleman named Michael Eric Dyson, who uh, is considered one of the great black intellectuals in the diaspora, and uh, uh, which is kind of. Interesting because he's he tends to be more of a he's a he's a minister uh, by training, but he's also a professor, more or less, by what he really does, and uh, very articulate. I mean, beyond normal articulate. And he has a wife who's very conservative, and so they actually do kind of the yin and yang thing on on black politics. Um. And, and I have a certain respect and affinity for Michael Eric Dyson because when I ran for the U.S. Senate, Michael was one of the black talk show hosts who gave me a platform nationally. Um, and I'll be forever grateful for that. But he was kind of the 
arbiter to kind of watch what was happening. And so um, Damien and Stephen were of the opinion that Colin Kaepernick blew his opportunity. And so for those who didn't quite get that, Stephen A. and Damien are black, Max is white. Uh, there's a reason why I'm highlighting that. So Damien and Stephen was like, yeah, we, we know what happened. We feel that pain. We not only know what's happened, but we also know what it's like. And Damien Woodley was like, you had put some pads on him that moment when he started talking about how he had to tell, teach his children about how to respond to police officers. Yeah, somebody was going to get knocked out. <laughs> if you were a defensive lineman coming at him, you you weren't getting it. He he was he was that mad. He was he was game face was on. Um. But they were saying that, hey man, if you want to change the system, you got to get in the system, get back in, do your thing, show why the NFL was wrong to let you go. They wanted you to tap dance and 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 do the drill at the flowery branch, then do it so you can get back in and do your thing. Get your money so you can keep doing what you're doing off the field. Max Kellerman was like, uh-uh. <laughs> Max Kellerman was like, as a white man, I don't understand what you've been through, but I can relate to them people that's treating him bad. And I'm telling you, he had every right to thumb their nose at him because he treated them bad. And they've already paid for that. So they know that they treated them bad. He doesn't have to comport to anything. He is who he is. If you can't accept him for who he is, that, that is the whole reason what the lawsuit was about. You didn't allow him to express himself. You were too worried about... Let me, let me tell you what the equation is. So Colin Kaepernick taking a knee would be just like if there was a black NASCAR driver and instead of the NASCAR... The tradition is that the NASCAR drivers stand outside of their cars when the National Anthem is played. Just imagine if there was a black driver in NASCAR, which there actually is a couple, <laughs> but just imagine a black driver in NASCAR sitting in his car while all the rest of the white guys are standing outside of the car when the National Anthem is played. Do you... That black driver have been gone. And he may not have won the lawsuit. He may have, because... Unlike the National Football League, NASCAR is publicly traded. So NASCAR probably couldn't do anything, but every redneck would hate him. He would be like the new Tony Stewart or yeah, he'd be the new villain of NASCAR, right? If he won, people like, you know, you know what I'm saying? They'd be waving the rebel flags in front of his car. <laughs> yes, they still do that in NASCAR. So that so it's just just for you that image right that's that's how serious these white fans took it that Colin Kaepernick took that knee those same white fans that propelled NASCAR to be number 2 and NASCAR contends they're they're more watched than National Football no but they're right there they NASCAR has passed the NBA and in, in, in Major League Baseball and in hockey, of course. But they, 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 they're number two, right? And so, and it's that same demographic base, them guys that believe that SEC football, which by all accounts, they're right, is the best college football in America. And they're, they're, that's the reason, because there's fans and there's a fan base and they, they, that means money and that means these programs get this money and they can build and recruit and build and recruit and build and recruit. Whereas like every year, it's Alabama and somebody else in the SEC. <laughs> Maybe two teams in the SEC and one other team that's outside of that realm. Well, not really, because if you look at it, Clemson recruits against the SEC. They play in the ACC. They right there. Notre Dame has to play ACC games, so they're recruiting the same kid. It's, 
It's a racket. It's the ACC and the SEC, the Big Ten, all of it. But the Big Ten is one savior all the time. It's Ohio State, and outside of that, that's it. But SEC football is it, and these rednecks run that. That's their, that's their conference, right? So it's that football tradition in the South that the NFL's plugged into, right? The only reason why you got black players that excel the way they do is because of that merger with the American Football League because that was the nuance they had. And when the Jets and the Chiefs started beating the Packers and the Colts, it's time to merge it. The pa- I mean, uh, uh, yeah, the, well, not the Packers, but the, the Colts and the uh, Vikings, right? Packers, nobody beat them. But anyway, that's, 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 that's how you started getting these premier af- black athletes in volume in the National Football League when the merger happened, right? Remember that. And that was in 1970. So that was also around the same time. As Carlos and Smith. That was also around the same time as Ali and his protest. You feel me? So, these white folks don't know how to deal with a black man with an afro that can actually play the game of football better than they could even imagine. And he's taking a stand. I mean, Jim Brown, he quit. They told him, well, you got to be here You can't be out making a movie. And he was the best player in the National Football League at that time. And he just said, I quit. But Jim Brown was part of a group of athletes consciously in the 60s, like uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell. They were men. They just happened to be black. And they wanted white folks to understand, yeah, we're athletes, but we're men. And you're not going to talk to us or treat us any kind of way. You know, they were, those were the guys that rallied around Muhammad Ali, right? Later on. But, you know, and so some people are like, well, what's Jim Brown doing now? That's for another podcast. Because <laughs> um, there's, there's an intersection with Jim Brown and Charleston Heston. If we're going to have that conversation, that's going to be how that's going to work. But, now that I've given you all that kind of backdrop and all that stuff, but again, and I kind of went off on television, the point I was trying to make, Max Kellerman was the one sounding like the militant black man in the room. And Stephen A. Smith and Damian Woodley were sounding like the moderate white liberal saying, hey, fight the power. In the, in the grid. And Max was like, screw him. That's why we were in this position in the first place. Michael Eric Dyson sided with Max, really, if you listen to it, but he basically wanted to say, don't criticize Stephen A. or Damien for their position because that's the dilemma black people deal with every day. Not just the National Football League, but every day, in every job, in every situation. Because it's like when you see injustice and you want to say something about it, but if you're afraid it's going to cost you your job, what do you do? Right? And considering that the majority of black people that work every day work for the government, whether it's the federal government, state government, county government, local government, they work for the government. Right? So that restricts a lot of a lot of public things that you say. Even though we had a we had a brother that was the president of the NAACP in Mississippi for a while, who worked for the IRS. Sometimes he pushed that boundary, and sometimes he did. Right, but that's a dilemma. And so here's my opinion on it: If I'm Colin Kaepernick. I showed the National Football League I can still play. If Ryan Fitzpatrick can keep getting a job, Colin Kaepernick deserves a job. If you're going to try to call Tony Romo out of retirement, if you're going to call Jay Cutler, you call Jay Cutler a job. Jay Cutler had a job doing color commentary 
but you called him and said he can play football one more year. You cost him that job. Knowing he wasn't supposed to be the starter, but you you cost him that, that cool gig that he could have still been doing and chilling like Romo is. But, you know, I mean, Cutler's got his reality show with his wife. Right? But you call those guys. There are guys who, you know, good and well, these guys... They they they're not even really good to be backup quarterbacks, let alone starting quarterbacks in national football. You said there's a guy that the Bears have. Uh, when when Trubisky got hurt, Chase Daniel was the number two quarterback, and they moved him up to start. The boy that was number three in the depth chart, he wasn't even an emergency quarterback. You had. The running back, Tank Cohen, was emergency. I mean, you made this kid. Finally, he was the backup for a couple of games. But he ain't, He he's wearing a uniform. But you'll give that kid a chance. But you won't give Colin Kaepernick a chance because Colin Kaepernick upset your white friends. And he upset the rednecks that you've always tried to control politically, socially, economically. Right? And why? <laughs> I still don't know why you keep feeding their base fears on stuff. But that's that's obviously the formula that works in America for control, right? So I'm telling you that the National Football League, the way that they handle that, the way that they tried to handle Colin Kaepernick, Screwed up. You can say, well, you know, if they offer you a job and all this stuff. Man, let me tell you something. If Colin Kaepernick really, really just wanted to play football. They created a whole new league. He could have been played in a in a in that little thing that they tried to do with the developmental players. Little minor league football thing they tried to do. He could have played. He can play in this new XFL they're doing. And he may do that. We don't know what he's got going. He may do that. But I get what people are saying about, hey man, take this opportunity, but when you ain't got to, you ain't got to. And Colin Kaepernick doesn't have to do anything else, football-wise, to prove that he could have still played. And based on the workout that everybody saw, he can throw that ball better than a lot of these guys that are getting paid to play football. And they know that. They know that. The position Colin Kaepernick played was quarterback. You already know. I mean, the stuff that Lamar Jackson is doing is, and Colin Murray is doing, Colin Kaepernick was doing it before, while those guys were in college or in high school. Right? And the, the only people you really could compare Kaepernick to was like people like Randall Cunningham and Michael Vick, right? When you had a black quarterback that didn't run, they were kind of like, you know, like a Warren Moon or McNabb. They were like, well, they just fly out, throw it. Okay. Doug Williams. You know? But in this era, Colin Kaepernick was before his time as far as the, I mean, they were, the offenses that every NFL team is trying to run now, they were running it in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick, right? Just like how Bill Walsh had that West Coast offense going with Montana and Steve Young, right? The 49ers were ahead of the curve when they had Kaepernick with the run-pass option. So much so that when Alex Smith, who was the quarterback that Kaepernick replaced, went to Philadelphia... They adapted 
to the run pad because Alex Smith could run it better. And now Patrick Holmes is, Mahomes is killing it, right? Anyway, bottom line is Colin Kaepernick doesn't need to apologize for that workout. He doesn't need to comport to a league that colluded against him and then tried to pressure him into a situation where it's like, take it or leave it. You lost a lawsuit to this black man. What makes you think, other than white privilege, that you can pressure him into doing anything that you want him to do? Of all of the black people on the planet, he's probably not the one that you can get to do that. A court of law proved that. You wrote a check based off of that. And yet and still, you think that you can continue to do that to that man. That makes no sense. None. And so, for those of you who want to side with the National Football League, or those of you who think <clears throat> that Colin blew his opportunity... God bless you in the small-mindedness of the issue. And, and, and I get it, but then you really don't understand this young brother. And then there's some people that are saying, well, Colin Kaepernick's all about himself and this, that, and other. Who the hell does he have to trust? The black people who he inspired to do the kneeling and all that, They've taken it upon themselves to say, well, you know, we're the ones really doing it. He ain't doing nothing because we're still out here playing football and we're still taking the licks and da-da-da-da-da. You don't think he didn't want to be out there playing? And it's like, you are the one that still has to dance to their rules. Colin Kaepernick got blackballed and he got paid. You getting black and blue playing the game to get paid. You, nobody, black, playing football, has the right to criticize Colin Kaepernick. None. Nobody. Because he lost his job. Y'all ain't. Y'all still playing. Some of y'all ain't never done it. Never, you know. Most of y'all are considered not even profile-ish enough to even ask the question, well, what do you feel about it? Some of you have to assert yourselves and let people know that you had a position because you were not a quarterback. He was, and you, under, and you understand the commodity that he was. He was a black quarterback in the National Football League. He had played in the Super Bowl. And he took that stand. And the National Football League took that collusion action. They conspired against him to kick him out of the league. Even the team that he took to the Super Bowl went along with that. Think about that. The team that he took to the Super Bowl wouldn't re-sign him. Because the other owners were like, yeah, we can't have that in the league. And most of those owners support Donald Trump. So if you want to be on the side of the people that support Donald Trump, knock yourself out. I'm not going to be on their side. Because I know when they vote for people like him, what they think of people like me and Colin Kaepernick. And if Colin Kaepernick feels that he's alone, he should. Because every chance black people get it seems as though black people that have some kind of influence, they want to criticize him. So if he's got a circle, a small circle, that's why. Dr. King didn't have a big circle of friends. He had a following. Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a big circle of friends, but he has a following. And those young people 
that follow him ain't listening to what you got to say. Those are the people that Michael Eric Dyson was trying to tell, hey, don't go after these black people because they're not feeling what Colin's doing. We're bigger than that. We can disagree without being disagreeable and being disrespectful. It's those young people who are painting Colin Kaepernick's pictures on murals, on walls. Those are the people that Colin Kaepernick is a symbol for. He ain't trying to appease you. He ain't trying to appease the National Football League, who employs all of you. Even if you don't cover football. The National Football League is the reason why there is an ESPN. He's doing it for the right reasons. Not every hero was this embraceable, touchable guy. You think Malcolm X, at the height of his power, when he was with the Nation of Islam, he was approachable to everybody? He spoke to people, yeah. He was polite. But you weren't in his inner circle because you weren't a part of the nation. You You weren't in the FOI. If he didn't reach out to you, you couldn't reach into him. Not unless you joined. That was his main job, was to recruit you. He wasn't trying to be your friend. He wasn't trying to appease you. Dr. King wasn't trying to appease you or anybody else. Mega Everett, Fannie Lou Hamer, these people weren't trying to appease people. They were trying to fight the system. Fight the power that was denying them their rights to be full citizens. And now the folks who for three years ostracize this man, want to dictate to him how he comes back into the league. And he said, nah. And y'all don't understand the power of that? The power of a black man to say, I'm not going to dance to your tune? I'm not going to kowtow to your thing and you're the one who was wrong? You're the one that did all this to me? You want me in the league You prove it. I don't have to do anything but get out there and play. If all these little sorry white boys out here running around being quarterbacks, not worth the time today, and there's some black ones out there too, not worth the time of day or anything, never would start on anybody's team in any part of the league. And I'm sitting out here with an NFC Conference Championship ring on my finger. And because I took a stand for my people, You blackballed me from the league. But I got to dance to your tune. And so now we're beginning to understand there was a little rift between Jay-Z and Colin. Now we're starting to understand. I think that We need to redefine what, no, let me put it this way. I think we need to stop trying to redefine what respect is. I think we need to, when we see it being demanded, we should appreciate the person that's demanding it. And stop trying to always placate the people who have always benefited from our forgiveness. At some point, and and I've made this statement before, so I'll make it so it is understood. There is no reason for a white man to be angry in America, but there's every reason for a black man to be angry in America. And I'll never retract that. And I got 400 years of evidence to prove it. So when you understand me, understand that's my position from Jump Street. Don't come at me about what you angry about and you white. Every law, every privilege, every distinction in America has been catered to make sure that you're okay. And at least three-fourths of those laws and distinctions 
have been determined to try to keep us, black men and black women even, away. 400 years of it, especially, we've always said around 400 years, we've been using that phrase for a while, this is officially 400 years. Colin did his thing, the NFL tried to play him, didn't work. So the ball is in the National Football League's court. If you really want Colin Kaepernick to play, act like it. Pick up the damn phone. Ask him to show up on a Tuesday at your team's camp and have him do a workout like you've done all these other white boys that ain't worth the price of admission. Especially the way to what y'all charge for football games. There's no way I'm paying it for that joker to be there. To be started. And you ain't you you won't pick up the phone to call Colin Kaepernick. If you want Colin Kaepernick to play, be that. You want to cater to the white rednecks and be scared to call him? That's your loss. Because when it, when he did play in the National Football League, it was fun to watch him play. Y'all the ones missing out on that. Especially the San Francisco 49ers. Keep thinking Jimmy Garofalo is going to get you to the Super Bowl. Keep thinking that. When you had a man that took you there once. Keep thinking that. That curse that y'all said the Cubs had with the Billy Goat. I hope San Francisco has that with Colin. Just like the Red Sox had to suffer for the bad decision of selling Babe Ruth for some Broadway musical tickets. Or production rights, whatever that was. Anyway. Until next time. for listening to the podcast A Moment with Eric Fleming. If you are not a subscriber, please go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe now. We would love to have you join the A Moment with Eric Fleming family.